Father, it's so good to, to be able to gather uh, two or more in your name, and, and you promised to be with us, and, and Spirit of God, we know that you're with us. We have sensed your presence. We thank you for, for your gifts at work through, through prophecy, through, through the, the way that you open up our eyes to see Christ as we sing, the way that you minister to us, even as we are worshiping you. I pray now as we look to to your word, that you would be active, that you would transform us. Jesus, we, we so long to, to understand what you were saying during your Sermon on the Mount, because we know it's so important and comes straight from your heart. Uh, so speak to us today and uh, help us to apply all that you, you want us to apply so that we could be your people the way you've designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the title of the sermon this morning is, is The Humble Brag and Spiritual Flexing. Humble brags and spiritual flexing. And the reason is because we're going to find out today that, that the humble brag and spiritual bless, or flexing have always been a thing. Now, have you ever heard these terms? Have you heard of the humble brag? Okay, I just recently learned of it. A humble brag is an attempt to say something humble about yourself that is actually an obvious and unveiled attempt to brag about yourself. All right, so this is actually a thing. If you post on Instagram a picture of yourself and write, why do people always say my looks are so stunning? I'm getting so tired of that. <laughs> Hashtag annoyed right? I think that's a humble brag. Or if you tweet, don't you hate it when your kids win all the school awards and you've already run out of room on the mantle? Hashtag, we're going to need a bigger boat. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a humble brag. This is an actual tweet that showed up on the actual internets. A guy wrote this. He said, I saw a homeless man in front of Walmart and I was only getting one thing because I didn't have much money. But instead, I bought a case of water and gave it to the man. I gave him the last of my money and walked away crying because I just felt God praising me for putting others before myself. <laughs> just crying. This is a humble brag. And I think this is closely related to flexing. That's something I, I learned a while back, that look at me instinct that wants to draw attention and praise to yourself because of who you are or what you have. I think it's actually a pretty clever way of saying something. I guess if you pull out a wad of cash in front of your friends, that's like flexing, right? You're flexing, as is that dad on that truck commercial. I guess that's a thing. But the, the thing is, it's one thing, it's one thing to have something legitimate to brag about. Maybe you, who you are or what you have is indeed impressive. I know that there are some really, really impressive people in this room. You are super impressive in lots of different ways. And you know who you are. You know who you are. And while all sinful pride and boasting is, well, sinful, certainly we would know we would know better than to humble brag or flex about things we do for God, right? I mean, certainly, if you're going to do something for God, like my man on Twitter, certainly you know better than to, to humble brag or to spiritually flex. I mean, come on, never steal candy from a baby, never run with scissors, never swim after eating, 
at least until 30 minutes later. And certainly, you never do things that look like you are doing them for God, but instead are doing them for the notice and praise of others. You see, it's interesting in our text today, we, we find out that the praise of men, the praise of men is, is such a, a tempting lure for our hearts. And it always has been. The temptation to do things for God in order to be praised by men is and has always been a thing. So this is what we're going to learn today. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us, tells us that our heavenly Father loves and rewards authentic righteousness. That which is done for his eyes and his notice alone. This is what we're going to learn. I think you can sum it up here. That our heavenly Father loves and rewards authentic righteousness. All that is done, that which is done for his eyes and his notice alone. Look at Matthew 6, verse 1. We find this theme emerge already just from the first verse. Jesus transitions in his sermon and he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now I want to I stop there. Because it's so interesting that Jesus just spent so much time teaching us about true righteousness, right? He just showed us that righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees will be a spirit of the law righteousness. It will be a from the heart righteousness that will actually explode into a thousand different areas of our lives, not into just one or two applications. Jesus has just spent a lot of time talking about the kind of righteousness that matters to God that comes from our heart. And then he closes chapter 5 with an invitation, therefore, to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect, to reflect his character, to honor Christ and his word, and, and by doing so, to conform into the image of God. So Jesus says, be perfect, and then he says, be careful. Isn't that interesting? Be perfect, and then chapter 6, verse 1, be careful, or beware, look at it again, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And this is going to launch us into a section of, of very practical instruction about our lives and how righteousness that, that exudes from the heart is then practiced well before God. Now, it's pretty important to see that Jesus does not in this, this first verse contradict anything that he has already said. Jesus doesn't say, beware of practicing righteousness. Of course he doesn't say that. He, is, he has just called us to a kind of righteousness in our lives that far exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus doesn't say, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Because we've already seen that, that they will see our good deeds and praise our Father who is in heaven as we let our light shine before men. So that's not what Jesus is saying. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. You see, it's right there. That is the difference. 
Because the goal in them seeing our good deeds before is that they will praise our Father who is in heaven. But the goal of in order to be seen by them is to receive to ourselves the glory that God alone deserves. Look, the issue is not the act of worship. The issue is not the act of righteousness. The issue is always the motivation. It's the motivation. In other words, why we do what we do is as important to God as what we do. And Jesus is going to give us three examples. And he, he kind of follows this pattern that we'll see in all three. And he starts with giving. Look at verse 2. It says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So notice, notice the pattern here. Jesus is going to follow this. The first thing he does is he highlights an act of worship, an act of worship that was common for them back then, but it will also continue among his people, continue even to our day. Meaning, Jesus doesn't say, if you give to the needy. In his word that is preserved for all generations, Jesus says, when you give. When you give to the needy. He assumes that this will be a part of our lives. So then secondly what he does is he describes the wrong way to do the right thing. Because giving is, is, go, is a right thing. But the wrong way to do that, he explains it. And then he describes the right way to do the right thing. And why? And it has everything to do, all of this has to do with motivation. So if you think about giving Giving to the needy, this is a good thing that we are all called to do. But it carries with it an incredibly dangerous temptation for our hearts. Every time. Giving, giving to the needy. And that temptation is the humble brag temptation. It's the spiritual flexing instinct. To want to have others notice or to receive praise from others. For the hypocrites back then, back in the day, this included something like sounding trumpets to draw attention to themselves when they were giving. Now, whether this was a general call, a trumpet call at the temple that would, would designate a time for giving offerings, or, I mean, I don't know. Could you imagine carrying a trumpet around with you everywhere you went? Like just a moment ago, Alex encouraged us to give. What if somebody stood up and full trumpeted? Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> like what in the world? And then they walk back to the offering box and put their burr, 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 burr. and then after church drove down at Centerville. Um, we've got some some suffering folks who who stand on the corners you, asking for money. Could you imagine? Trumpet out the door, burr, 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 burr. dropping some change, or going to cookout and, and going to buy a meal for someone and coming up to the counter, pulling out your trumpet. Burr, 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 burr. I mean, it seems silly to us, 
And yet, I think we do the same thing, but in different ways. We have lots of different mechanisms for drawing attention to the things that we do for God. And a a, a sneaky version of, they had the trumpet, what we have is social media, right? We have social media where it can seem tame. We We just post stuff, right? Sometimes we do draw attention to ourselves verbally in how much we give or when we give. You see, the issue isn't the giving. When Jesus says, when you give for the praise of man to be seen by them, he says, look, you have received your reward and you will receive no reward from your father. The language that Jesus uses is transaction. The notice and applause of men and women is your payment in full. I hope you enjoyed it because you traded the eternal reward from God for fleeting esteem of men, for the golf clap that lasts all of 10 seconds. And when it's over, so is your reward. This is what Jesus is saying. Instead, our heavenly Father loves and rewards authentic righteousness, that which is done for his eyes, and his notice alone. When you give to the needy, Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now this, this right hand, left hand phrase was actually a first century idiom that meant something like your right hand was the hand of action and the left hand was the, the hand of acknowledgement. So essentially, give with your right hand and then forget it. Forget about it. Don't even let your left hand that, that acts in, a, in acknowledgement know. Something like that, where, where basically you're doing your giving and leaving it behind. You are not drawing attention to it before men. You're not even letting your own left hand know what you're doing. But know That in that moment, God sees, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, we're going to come back to the idea of eternal rewards, which is just fascinating to me, and and particularly in a couple of weeks when we we get to this treasure principle section in the the Sermon on the Mount, uh, living our lives for eternity and not for today. But the point and pattern that Jesus is using here has everything to do with our motivation, right? That's what he's getting at. Why do you and I do what we do? Is it for the praise of men or is it for the notice of God? Jesus then continues to prayer. And prayer was a, a, a super normal practice then and will certainly continue in the lives of his fathers. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. But again, follow Jesus' pattern and his point as he talks about prayer. He says, and when you pray in verse 5, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, 
Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then Jesus goes into the Lord's Prayer, which we're actually going to cover next week in full. So we can continue uh, to dig out the, the context here. But prayer is a funny thing, isn't it? In Christianity, praying, and especially like praying in front of others, or praying publicly, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I mean, I, I know that the, the Christian comedians have plenty of, of material, right, on the idea of prayer and how particularly Christians pray. And I just want you to know that I, I just love it all. I love it all. I love the people that ditto other people's prayer, right? You ever hear this? Somebody prays and then the, the next person dittos what, what they said. I love the people who pray unspoken prayers, right? That used to be a big thing when I was a kid. All, all these kids in my class would pray unspokens, which was always so weird. Like, why? Why do you tell us something you can't tell us, right? I just never got that. Uh, some people use God's name a lot or Jesus's name a lot in prayer. You know what I'm talking about? Like the version of um when you're talking uh, becomes uh, using God. Some people use theological words, big, huge theological words, or King James English. Bless this bounteous fare which we will consume forthwith or whatever, right? It's like, who are you? What are you doing? Some people pray way too long, right? Have you ever, have you ever had this guy, like somebody asks him to pray for, for the food and you're hungry and you know what's about to happen? Your heart is just like, good Lord, wrap it up, man. Wrap it up. We're hungry. Look, I love and I feel like I've heard, I feel like I've heard it all in prayer. And I love it all because it's all good when we are children praying to our Father. But what God doesn't love, and I didn't mean to step on any toes, by the way. Just you be you. Right? That's what I'm saying. I love it all. You be you. You pray the way you pray. Love it. But here's what God doesn't love. What God doesn't love is when we're not really talking to him when we're praying. But instead, we're praying for the notice and praise of others. We're using prayer to God as an opportunity to be impressive to others. And we all do it. We all do it. Who here hasn't practiced a prayer in your head before you, you launched out with it? Right? And, and why is that? Or afterwards when you've prayed publicly, community group or, or whatever it is, and you, you get up the courage and, and you pray, right afterward you feel like such an idiot. Because you prayed wrong. Or, 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 and then the next really good prayer prays after you. And you're just like, man... Like, why, why, why is that instinct in our hearts? Except every time it, it reveals to us that there is this, this dangerous temptation that whenever we're doing something to God, we're literally in that moment talking to God, who is our Father in heaven, 
who loves every word that we say, who loves when we ditto other people's prayers, who loves when we, you know what another one is? People who pray and they tell God what his word says. I love that one too. Lord, like you say in your word, and then you tell God what he says in his word. Right? I love that. And it's right. We should pray God's word back to him. But there's a part of me that thinks, God, I think, knows what's in his word. I don't think you need to quote it back to him. But no, that's cool. Right? But God loves it. We're, we're meant to be speaking to our heavenly father. Like what earthly father criticizes the child who is joyfully just talking and babbling and, and mixing up stories and getting the phraseology wrong and not, not whatever you do with verbs and nouns so that they agree and the right prepositional phrases in their order and the right theological. What, what father would look at their child and be annoyed? Look, we're praying to our heavenly father. And yet there's a temptation in our hearts every time to also simultaneously desire the esteem of men. And Jesus is saying, look, don't do that. Either if you're trying to impress other people by how much you pray, the Pharisees were drawing attention to the fact that they prayed at the street corners, or if you're trying to be impressive in, in how you pray, you're trying to be a good prayer so that people will consider you a good prayer. Look, Jesus is saying, nonsense. First of all, you've already received your reward. But instead, Jesus says, make prayer all about your father. Pray in secret. Keep it between you and him. Pour out your heart to God. And, and also, don't heap up words and empty phrases. Your heavenly father already knows what you need before you even ask. You know what a great prayer is? Help. Father, help me. I think he knows what you're asking, what you're saying. Father, have mercy on me. Father, be gracious. Give me grace today. I think, I think your heavenly Father is, is pleased with the kind of heart cries that are meant for him alone. Just be normal in your prayers. He's your Father. Talk to him even if it's in front of other people. That's what God loves and rewards. He loves and rewards authentic righteousness, which is done for his eyes and his notice alone. And oh, how God loves to hear your voice when you're praying to him. And again, we're going to return to the Lord's Prayer next week. Jesus actually makes an excursus in his own sermon to teach them how to pray, and it is the Lord's Prayer, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. And we're going to get to that in full next week. We're going to return to that excursus next week. But today, let's continue the flow of what Jesus is exhorting with this final example of fasting. And this is the third act of worship, giving, and then prayer, and then now fasting, uh, that was, for them, regular two times a week, and then for us, it's, it's to continue. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Now truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head 
and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Once again, fasting will continue in the lives of Jesus' followers. This is what he assumes when you fast. And Christian fasting, you probably already know, is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. So you either give up a meal or a day of eating or multiple days so that you can pray and also be aware of God every time you are normally aware of eating. There's this sense that, that you're confessing to God a, a desperation for him more than even food. And then practically speaking, those points in the day, when you get hungry, there's a physical reminder that you're not eating because you're drawing near to God or asking him to do something in your life. It's a powerful spiritual practice. And it is meant to continue. Sometimes you can fast other things of course, but fasting is a great practice. The issue, once again, is motivation. There is a way to fast where you can make sure that everybody knows you're fasting. Did you know that? You can definitely make sure that everybody knows that you're fasting in certain ways, uh, ostensibly so that they will be super impressed with you and your awesome spirituality because you are a faster. Now, back then, for them, it was contorting their faces, which is, I just love those spots in Scripture where it's like, what, what's that? Like, does anybody know what the, the contorted face looked like? I guess uh, we can ask Nicodemus. He seemed to come to Christ. He was a Pharisee. We can ask him in heaven the deal with the contorted face situation when people were fasting. I have no idea what what that's about, except it was a way to make people know that you were fasting. I think, again, we have lots of ways to make sure people know. And, and again, that could be by being that guy that goes to the, the pizza party and everybody starts to dig in and <laughs> kind of looks somber. Maybe a little pale. Barely can get it out. I'm fasting. You know, it's just like, okay. All right, more pizza for us, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of how that works. But it's interesting. There, there's been this thing over the last number of years where, interesting to me because we're, we're Protestant, uh, but there's this thing. I know a ton of, of Christian friends who jump in on the Lent situation. And I think for, for fine reasons, it's interesting as long as you, you know what you're doing, but, but Lent is that thing where I guess you give something up for Lent, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a kind of fasting that everybody tells everybody about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's like, I, I, I tend to hear from all the people who are doing Lent exactly what it is that they're fasting. And, and again, I don't think it's, it's motivated wrongly necessarily because it almost becomes just a piece of, of information. But it kind of gets cl- a little bit close to this, right? That idea of, of putting out there how spiritually awesome you are is kind of what Jesus is getting at here. And, and again, I return to, to social media and the, the things that we, we tend to put on social media, and again, they're not necessarily bad or wrong. But sometimes it does seem like some 
brush up against this. Okay. Jesus says to, to not do things and publish things and portray yourself in ways that, that seek the esteem of men where you are portraying yourself to be impressive and receiving the pat on the back and the reward is gone. Jesus says, look, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. In a sense, hide it. Don't make it noticeable. And your father who, who sees in secret will reward you. I, I imagine that you get the point by now. The point that Jesus is, is making to Christ's followers. Be perfect. Righteousness that, that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. But be careful. Because there will always be this super, like, like sheet of steel covered in ice, slippery slope. Down into a motivation where you're trying to impress people and not doing that thing for the notice and glory of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the pure of heart. The kind of righteousness that comes from the heart not only originates within our hearts, but is then expressed and practiced for the audience of one. This is the, the righteousness that God loves, our Heavenly Father loves and rewards authentic righteousness, that which is done for his eyes and his notice alone. So, for you and me, where in your life are you tempted? Tempted to, to crave the esteem of men. Look, this is an occupational hazard for me. This is, absolutely applies to almost every hour of my life. As one who does things for God publicly all the time. This certainly has direct application to worship teamers, community group leaders, service team leaders, all the things that we do, all the ministries of our church. Certainly. So then the question is where in our lives are we tempted to humble brag? Are we tempted to spiritually flex? Think about your life online and what you post and why you post. Or where do you... Where do you think you would love just a little bit more recognition for the things that you do for God? Where does your heart eat up the encouragement that others give you when your service is visible? So much so that that encouragement subtly becomes why you do the thing in the first place. You become addicted to the encouragement and the thanks and the enlarged sense of how spiritual, spiritual you are and how much of a difference you're making. Or I wonder if you're ever ticked off when someone else is honored. You periodically have a service team stand up and, and let's, let's honor these folks. 
honor some folks tonight. Is there ever that part in your heart that you're just like, what about me? How come I never get honored around here? Especially all the stuff I do. You see, there's that, that subtle temptation, that, that subtle question of motive right in that spot where your heavenly father says, uh, time out, tap on the shoulder, wait a second, hold on just one second. Let's just refresh. Let me ask you, who are you doing this for in the first place? Who are you doing this for in the first place? Because if you're doing it for the esteem of men, you might get the golf clap and your reward is gone. But if you're doing this for the eyes of your heavenly father, he is storing up eternal rewards for you. And who even knows what those are? People speculate about them. We'll speculate in a couple of weeks about what they are. But for now, there's this choice. The esteem of men that is fleeting and it lasts as long as the pat on the back or eternal rewards that will last forever and ever from your heavenly father. If he is your audience when you do things for him. Now, I'm telling you, when I ask questions like these, this is not meant to be paralyzing. We will always have mixed motives. But I'm saying that your heart is going to tell you. It might not be wrong to post and to tell something that God has done in your life or that you have done. And that might inspire others. It might be right to, to give a testimony. It might be right to, to post a picture of your Bible. And again, it's a strange thing because you see the, the, the post of the quiet time situation. And there's a subtle temptation because your spirituality is going to be judged on how marked up it is. So the super crazy spiritual have underlines and, I mean, they got 20 years of markings on that one page. And, and again, maybe your heart is to draw attention to a scripture there that God has used in your life and is powerful to you and your motive is pure and you just simply want to draw attention to the glory of God who continues to speak to you and you want to encourage your friends at what God's word says. Yeah, totally. If that's the case, your heart's going to tell you. But there's also the sneaky, dangerous temptation that by po posting that page, it's a humble brag. I'm saying that your heart is going to tell you. You're going to know. We, we know ourselves. We know which way we're leaning. And the way that we'll know is, is if you are content to do what you do for the Lord, for his eyes and his glory and his reward only all the time. The way you're, you'll know is if you're content if no one sees that. You're content to, to serve the Lord even if no one ever notices. This is what Jesus is going after. And I want to close with this, this observation. There are at least four words that, that recur in this passage. I think, as you've noticed, Jesus' pattern, uh, when you do these things in secret, so secret, 
is a word that gets used multiple times. That gets at the how we are to do the right thing. Certainly Father, Heavenly Father, anchors all of our worship to a relationship with a who, the only one that matters. Reward is in there a number of times, which we will circle back to and cover more extensively around verse 19 and forward. But then there's this word that, that Jesus uses that, that actually gets to a true and proper motivation for all of this. And the, the fourth word is hypocrite. Did you see that? Hypocrites. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. And I think that this word actually, in a strange way, connects to the heart of Jesus for us. It connects to the heart of Jesus because of who we are. A hypocrite to us is someone who says one thing but does another, right? That's what we typically think of when we think of a hypocrite. A politician who runs on anti-corruption and then gets into office and takes bribes. A pastor who has an affair. Says one thing, does the other. But in the first century, you might know that a hypocrite was an actor. The word refers to the mask that an actor would wear, meaning this wasn't about saying one thing and doing another thing. It was about saying one thing, namely your lines, but being someone completely different, which is exactly what an actor is. No one in their right mind would ask Liam Neeson to go find their missing daughter. No one in their right mind would ask Tom Cruise to either be your lawyer or to fly a plane. No one in their right mind would ask Tom Holland to fight crime in New York City because they're acting. It's not who they are. That's what they would tell you. Tom Hanks, can you land this plane on a river, please, right now? He'd be like, no. I cannot. That was an act. That was a performance. That is not who I am. And that exactly is exactly where the disconnect that Jesus is trying to connect in us. Because what he's saying is, don't be like the hypocrites whose actions don't spring from who they are. He's saying, be who you are. And be authentic in your acts of righteousness coming from who you are. Because who you are is a child of a heavenly father. You are a son. You are a daughter. So be who you are. Why, as a son or a daughter of the living God, do you feel the need to impress anybody? Just be who you are. Pray what you want. Be a bad prayer. Because Jesus Christ perfects your prayers. And God knows what you need before you even see them. You aren't somebody who has been redeemed and united to Christ and a co-heir with Christ. You are not somebody who now needs the golf claps of men. It's not who you are. Don't put Christian-y things on your clothes and on your, on your face so that others will see Christian-y acts. You are a Christian. So be who you are. There's no need to impress. There's no need. You give. Give generously to the poor because this is who you are. You're like your heavenly Father who is generous 
Give to the needy. God has never meant for all of your money to be used on you. When will we get that? From the very opening of the Bible to the very end of the Bible, God has never meant for all of our money to stay in our pockets. Never. When you give to the needy. So give to the needy because the Spirit of God is in you and this is what he's like. Be generous. And do so because your heavenly Father sees and is, he will reward you in that. And pray, pray to God and pray however you want to pray and pray, just pray in secret because you have a relationship with the God of the universe who loves to hear your voice. You don't need to to impress anyone. He loves the sound of your voice. So pray, pray often, pray how you pray, but don't pray for the, the esteem of men and fast fast to strengthen your relationship with God and your dependence on him but for his eyes only and continue to serve do your work as unto the Lord when no one else sees or notices God your heavenly father sees and notices there's there's someone who comes every Sunday to check our toilets And to do something about it if necessary. You know who it is? You seen them? You heard the trumpet sound as they went in and out of each bathroom? No? I'll tell you right now, their heavenly father sees every single time and is storing up eternal rewards. And I hope I'm nearby when she gets those rewards in heaven someday. Do what you do in secret when nobody else notices. Your heavenly Father sees. Even when you love and forgive and do good to those who have harmed you. Last week, love your enemies. If you did business with God and chose to forgive and chose to pray for someone, your heavenly Father saw that. And other saw that. Loves and rewards in secret for him. Teenagers, obey your parents, even when they're not around. And you don't even have to tell them about it. You don't have to flex. Hey, you weren't even here, and I was tempted to do what you said I shouldn't do, and I didn't do it. Don't need to. Your heavenly Father sees and says, well done, son. Well done, daughter. Look, our Heavenly Father loves and rewards authentic righteousness. That which is done for his eyes and his notice alone. That's the point, right? Everybody seeing that? Then let's pray. Lord, we would rather to never be noticed by men and miss out on a temporary and fleeting reward now in order to Love and serve and obey you for your eyes, for an audience of one, for your notice. And an eternal reward that you tell is coming. One day we'll know what that is. And and in that moment when we see you face to face, 
will not have regretted any time. We did in secret. We gave without the left hand knowing. We fasted and looked normal to our friends. When we put to death the the desire for the praise of men, which lives so strong in all of us, Jesus, otherwise you wouldn't have had to say these things. It lives strong in me. The desire to be impressive resides in all of us. But Lord, I pray that you would Help us by your grace and by your power and by your spirit in us to fix our eyes on you, to do what we do for you. And when our motives are mixed, to to repent and move forward. When we catch ourselves craving the esteem of men, to, to repent and receive your forgiveness and move forward. Jesus, we want to obey what you're saying here and live our lives for our Father who is in heaven. So help us to look to you and to live for you. It's in your name we pray, amen.